Hello and welcome to the Goals Allowed podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Kendrick, and joining me is Shane Lees. Hello. And Richard Hudson. Good evening. Or morning, depending on whenever you're listening. <laughs> How are you guys doing this fine afternoon? That's pretty good, Southampton are not being completely terrible, and I'm going to enjoy that until we play City, which <laughs> that's going to go badly. <laughs> Don't feel you're in the relegation fight anymore. You've you've got away from that a bit. Now we're safe. Now we're forty points. I, I did say quite early in the season it was going to be um, a record points total for the team that finishes 18th, and I still do reckon that. But I do think we're pretty much safe now. But that's mm. probably going to mean we completely step off the gas when it comes to Man City, and clearly they're not doing that. You think mm-hmm. it's still going to be a record total for the 18th team? I reckon it will be surprisingly high. I do think it will. It's because the way I look at it is they all keep stealing games. They all do keep managing to get games. I look at Brighton. I think they're not quite safe. I think you need at least 37 points. 37 points gets you safe, I think. Because I look at the, those sort of the bottom four teams, I think sort of West Ham uh, will start to pull away, but Obviously, Norwich are dead and buried. But you look at Watford, Villa and Bournemouth, and you just can't see where they're going to get wins from at the moment. Yeah, the, the issue is they've all got some very, very tough games left. But I kind of think, like, they're, they're tough games on paper, but not all of those teams are necessarily going to be that on form or playing that well or trying that hard. It's a little bit like last season, I think, with the exception of Man United at the moment, that all the other sort of top four teams, competing top four teams, just keep throwing games away. So I don't really feel like, unless you're playing Liverpool or City, you've actually really necessarily got that hard game. It's how much they can get up from at this point. And I think, it's not, I'm looking at like the likes of Bournemouth, Villa, Watford, West Ham, and none of them seem like they're completely negative, looking at it like, yeah, we're done. We're pretty much out of it now. They all seem to still quite significantly believe that they can get out of it. Like, you don't see it in the way they're playing. Some of them are just worse teams than others, like Villa, that are quite obviously terrible defensive team. Um, but yeah, I, I still think it's going to be a very high point setter. It might not be record. I think the record is something like 30, 39 points, isn't it? So it might not be record, but I reckon it'll get real close. Uh, yeah, I, I, see this one. I see especially sort of Bournemouth and Villa. Um, I, they look like they've already gone down to me when I've been watching them. Mm. I, I've, I've watched Bournemouth a couple of times and they, they, they look so desolate to me. They're, they're the ones who I think are doomed, like with Norwich in the doomed category. I, I think Watford as well. I think Villa, are, I, I want Villa to go down. I don't really like them, to be honest, but... Of those four, it's it's between them four for me, definitely. And I think, um, you know, it's such a huge win for Chelsea and uh, for West Ham over Chelsea, I should say. And um, yeah, I think I think Villa can drag themselves out, but Watford and Bournemouth to me look well. Bournemouth particularly look really poor. I think the thing of it is, is at this point, it is still in the space where one win changes it completely for any of those teams down there. What if, if Brighton get a win? I'd say they're just about going to be safe. They're going to be real close. So you look at how many games they've got left, you'd think, right, they're surely going to pick up at least a couple of draws, so they'll be okay. West Ham pick up a win or Watford pick up a win. Suddenly, it's so easy for teams to start pulling away. And I do think because of the whole um, COVID thing that there are teams who they sh- are playing who they should lose to, but they're not necessarily going to. And the whole home and away thing doesn't seem to be mattering that much anymore. So I think it, I think it has kind of opened it up a little bit. And I have to say, I, I do disagree with Richard there. I I'd see those other teams and I think the difference is they're just not very good. 
right? They're, they're not that good as teams, but I still think that there's, they've got at least their major players still playing. They're still all trying. Bournemouth are the only one that really looked like they could be about to slip and just sort of let it all go because they just cannot defend at all. And it used to be that they couldn't defend, but at least they could score. They're not getting any goals at the moment. I mean, they can't attack either. They're the only team, I think, give it one or two games and they'll just about be down. But I do think that 18th place is still going to be pretty damn competitive. Well, the Ryan Fraser situation obviously hasn't helped. You know, the fact he's not signed, uh, he's, he's not signed, he won't be playing this season from the looks of things. And uh, there's quite a few players, you know, it's, it's quite an issue across the league, really, with, with a load of players being out of contract on the 30th, well, the other day, really. And then... You know they're having to re-sign. Some of them aren't re-signing. Some are, and it's 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 causing causing some issues for them. It's not just that. I mean, you look at Bournemouth's fixtures. So they've got United on Saturday. Yeah. Then they're playing Tottenham. Then they've got Leicester. Then they've got City. Then they've got us, which they should, probably should win if it's going to be like still competing. Then they've got Everton last game. I mean, the other teams do also have some really really tough games. Villa have got Liverpool, and United. I think they've also got Everton as well. Watford, I know they've got Chelsea, but I think they've got a bit of an easier fixture list then. And West Ham, I don't think theirs is as tough, if I can remember, but I think they're playing a lot of teams around them, so it could be some quite high-tempo games. Bournemouth are the ones I look at and think, right, they've got Man United and then Tottenham. They lose both of those, because those other teams can pick up some results. But it's the 18th place, West Ham, Watford, Aston Villa. They've all got games in there that they could win. I mean, you look at Liverpool, Aston Villa, right? Everyone thinks, right, Liverpool should just completely destroy them. But then... Liverpool, they've been a bit off kilter, haven't they? Even before all this uh, COVID things, they were a bit off kilter then and they're a bit off kilter now. So actually, I mean, if, if I was Jurgen Klopp, I'd be thinking, right, let's put my players on the holiday a little bit. You know, if we can get actually a bit more rest than those other teams for next season, considering we're probably not going to have much of a preseason, might as well. Title's done. We're not, gonna, we're not winning anything else, are we, this season? So might as well rest a few players. I wouldn't be surprised if they did. And Villa, if they're up for it, Suddenly that could be very different. So I, I, yeah, it's the 18th place that's going to be a big thing. I do think it's going to be Norwich and Bournemouth are guaranteed down. Bournemouth are just, unless they pull out some massive results, which I don't see them doing, because they've probably got to win three of their last games. And maybe two. Maybe two. Well, what, what for the In regards to Liverpool um, that you mentioned, do you not think that Klopp would be wanting them to push for all these records that they could possibly get? I think he's... If, if, if he was a short-term manager and if he was maybe looking at leaving at the end of the season, yeah. But I think he's probably thinking we have one big advantage going into next season in the sense of we could almost give our, our players a summer holiday and barely any of his other teams are going to be capable of doing that. They've got the capacity, they've got the squad depth to do that. That could make a massive difference going into next season. You know, I, I understand very much that the next season is going to come thick and fast, but you don't also don't want to go into the next season sort of becoming complacent already. You know, the, how many how many times since United won the title has a, a team then defended it? It's only been City. I tell you what, it is actually properly nice to have a real good relegation battle, isn't it? I mean, I would say there's still five teams who are fighting in it with some weird results. Any any one of those five teams could go down. Mm. It's really nice to have some actual proper competition down at the end of the table because normally we're getting to this point and you know, right, yeah, <laughs> the ones who are down now are the ones who are down. And it's probably still going to turn out to be about three, but 
I do like that there's still a bit of fight in it. I, I think got, all the way through the table, it's it's still a lot of stuff to play for. Um, oh, from first to second, it's ultra competitive, isn't it? Always. Yeah. Mm. You sort of well, got you, like um, you've obviously got Liverpool just streets ahead and have already won the title, and then City have, have got second. But then you've got uh, that group that are fighting it out for the Champions League places, and then another group of about eight teams that are the mid table, and then you've got the the six fighting against relegation. Well, you've got the fact that City aren't, uh, well, may or may not be in Europe. They've got the appeal later this month. Um, and obviously with the cup competitions and what happens there, we don't know exactly how many places, you know, you're going to need to be in the Champions League or the Europa League, which just adds it and makes it even more entertaining because you don't know if fifth, fifth could be a great position. It, it could be you miss out on the Champions League. And you're right, it's an extremely, it's extremely competitive at the moment. I'll tell you what, one question I think is a really important one to ask is who at the end of the season is genuinely going to have had a worse season out of Arsenal and Tottenham? Because my God, they are, they, are, they are basically very close to being Crystal Palace level, aren't they? As far as a London club. And that's just kind of pathetic. <laughs> and I'm kind of enjoying it, to be honest. I was going to say, I watched the tottenham Chef United game the other night and um, obviously they had the, the, the injustice of the, the, the disallowed goal, but, but my God, they were poor the other night. They were, um, you know, they, they didn't look like winning the game. Chef United up to then had, had been poor in the restart, so it was, it was a great opportunity for them. And, and, and Arsenal as well, I mean, they've got the, both teams have got the opportunity of getting in the Europa League and salvaging something out of this season. It's a fresh start and some you know some teams have come back from this restart um, you know and done really well and some just just haven't turned up like and those two are great examples and, and you do you do worry for them um, whether their players will want to stay in the the summer. It's a li- it's a little bit off topic, but I do actually think, and I'm going to sound incredibly harsh in this one. I do think as much as Arsenal fans have thought to themselves they've had some hard times in the recent past, them and Tottenham I think are about to have much worse times because they are two of the clubs that could not afford this. All of these problems that have come about in football as a result of COVID, they are two of the clubs with really big debts that they cannot necessarily finance if they're having these sudden massive holes in their club. They are not going to be able to spend. Tottenham have already turned around and said they can't spend. Arsenal know they can't spend, they're just not really saying it. They both know, both of those clubs, that they're going to lose some key players. Arsenal know they're losing Aubameyang. Tottenham basically don't really have a defence anymore. And you know, if, if some of the few clubs like Real Madrid and that, who are still financially okay, come in for Harry Kane, clubs like Tottenham might actually genuinely have to do a deal because they've got they've got uh, hundreds of millions of stadium debt that they can't actually pay. <laughs> I think they're in for some real bad times. Like, I kind of enjoy that a little bit because I don't particularly like either club, but it's also kind of horrible because I look at what Tottenham have done and I think they did, they they try to do things the right way. Fair enough, good for them. And I don't hate Mikel Arteta, <laughs> but I feel like they're the ones who are about to really bite it from all this. Well, that, that was what I was going to say, Mikel Arteta. I mean, I think on paper he's a good appointment. And I, I think maybe, to play devil's advocate a little bit here, they've not really built their own sides. I mean, Mourinho's only got Bergwijn in, who's, who's done decent so far. And, um, you know, but then you compare that to the other London club, Chelsea. They've got Timo Werner and um, who's the other one? Ziyech, is it? Yeah, I, I did. The thing about Arsenal and Tottenham is I do genuinely think Jose Mourinho is not a bad appointment at all for Tottenham. And I think Arteta is a good appointment for Arsenal. I just think it's, it's awful timing. 
It's the, oh. it's the worst, most rubbish timing they possibly could have had. Mourinho is ironically very well suited to a club like Tottenham. I'm not talking about play styles or any of that thing. But if you actually look at Mourinho through the years, what he's done very well is he's built clubs that had a bit of money, could spend a bit, had some players coming through, and he's turned those clubs into clubs that compete. That, that was what Tottenham were. That is exactly what they were when he's come in, even a year or two before that. Perfect club for him, really, to be able to do what he does. He's not, he's not just, you know, big club competing person. But then this happens. He can't build a team. He's got to work with what he's got. He's got a lot of players that don't fit. Arsenal is a similar situation. Arteta needs to be able to build a team, but he's got so much dreck that he's not going to be able to move on. And he's probably going to have his best players taken out from under him. They're going to have to start from scratch. And there are going to be other clubs around the Premier League who are going to be far more capable of competing in this time. Wolves are going to be one. They're going to be capable of competing. They're not having the same kind of money problems. They do not have the kind of debt. Everton have seemingly unlimited money. Arsenal and Tottenham are run for profit. Everton, the owner of them, I don't think he really cares about making money. I think he just cares about the making himself look good via football. So there's going to be other clubs who can fill in that space. And it's the same thing. Even if you just stagnate in the Premier League, you really do step back because other clubs are doing better than you. I think if they're looking at where they are in the table and thinking, God, this is a disaster, I think they might need to get used to that for a few years. I don't think it's going to get that much better. Mm. Mm. Um, do, do you think we could see a surprise maybe in the, the sort of European places, like a team like Newcastle? And uh, Newcastle have done well since the restart. Everton as well. Um, you know, they beat Leicester the other night. Huge result. Well, both for Leicester, but, but just for now, just looking at the potential for Europe. Or even Burnley have beaten Palace and Watford. Could you see a, a surprise maybe? I was going to say, if we're looking at 7th and 8th, I think we're almost definitely looking at a surprise team. Arsenal and Tottenham, I think they're going to drop off a little bit more. I know Tottenham are almost feeling like, oh, this break has been perfect for us. We've got all our players back from injury, but they've also clearly got a whole bunch of players who are not at full fitness. Burnley are looking fine. They are looking just fine. They defend well, they attack well, they do well in set pieces. They compete. They compete in every single game. That's the thing about Burnley. They're reliable for that. Almost all of their players are 7 out of 10s in every single game. Everson are looking good. They've got really good attacking players, and Ancelotti's slowly turning them into a real team. Palace probably not, just because they don't have enough actual ability to score goals. Sheffield United, again, they had a bit of a tough period, and they didn't really play that badly in them, though. They were very unlucky, obviously, against Villa. Hugely unlucky. And they've had some bad results, but they've still shown that they've got the quality and they haven't just completely dropped off. Wolves as well. I know it's Wolves, and they've obviously got a bit more going about them, but it's still a bit of a twist if they manage to actually get Europe. I almost think it's a guarantee that we're having some unusual English teams in European football next season, including the likes of Leicester, Wolves, Sheffield United, and maybe a Burnley or Everton, if they can get some results. Well, Wolves are doing doing well as it is in the Europa League this year. Wouldn't be surprised if they get Champions League through the Europa League or actually through getting a spot. That fourth, even third spot, has opened right up, hasn't it? Yeah, and you've got to say that... United and Wolves are the the two form teams in the league at the moment. With the fixtures they've both got coming up as well, United, I think they're nailed on. Nailed on for fourth, at least. Maybe even third. Those those fixtures they've got coming up are all winnable. Every single one. And the team is playing well. I kind of don't like to say it, because I did enjoy when Man United suffered a bit. But they are playing damn well. And those players are finally starting to play together. That's looking like a hell of a team. I hope you're right. The only the only thing I'd say, Solskjaer said the other day in a news conference, that you look at the teams, you know, like Brighton, who, who obviously United beat, but some of the teams coming up were te- are teams that uh, United have dropped points off earlier in the season. I mean, our record against the big teams tends to be better than against the lower teams. So, 
I, I don't know. I, I hope I hope you're right, but it is it's it's a four horse race. I think yeah, United's big big virtue is the young team. They've got a lot of time to develop that. I think with United, uh, obviously at the beginning of the season, the issue was consistency. That they've got the ability to, to play against you know City and Chelsea. I think they've beaten both of them three times this season. But mm-hmm. it was the, those games against the, the bottom half that they, they just sort of didn't turn up for. I think Bruno Fernandes has addressed that massively. You know, it, before United were very much a counter-attacking team, and now they have options with him in there to be able to unlock teams that are sitting back against United. Mm. Uh, Bruno Fernandes is probably what the best signing you guys have made in. Five, six years. That's a great, great signing. He's. I don't know if he's ever going to get to the like the De Bruyne levels, but I reckon he can get pretty damn close, especially for what United need him for. Yeah, he he just turns games completely. He, uh, he he's a proper puppet master in the middle of the pitch there. Mm. It's definitely definitely post Bergie. I'm just going back trying to think De Gea perhaps, uh, but you know it's. Um, yeah, since like Rooney or Van, you know Van Persie stuff like that, you definitely you definitely can't think for a post Fergie sign that's had player that's uh, that's had a similar impact. It's uh, yeah, fantastic signing. Yeah, I'd say Van Persie was the last impact signing yeah. like that. I do still think United need to improve their centre of defence. I know Maguire is he's good. I still he's not. He, He's, he's not near any like, of the sort of the best centre backs. But you look at okay, if, if Man United need to win a title, you've got to have a centre back who can compete with Laporte and Van Dijk, Maguire, Lindelof. They don't do that. Maguire's good. I like Maguire. He's a hard worker, proper player. Fine. Lindelof is very good at the tackles. Cannot compete in the air against a striker who actually knows what he's doing at all. He's useless. That's the one big hole I still think they've got in that team. Centre for defence. The fullbacks, yep, fine. The guard options there. Centre midfield. McTominay, he's he's excellent. He's really excellent. Wingers, good. Strikers, good. I think they are so weak in central defence against the team that can actually attack. And the problem is, you also said it, against the smaller teams, they go to sleep. They forget to play. And it's it's where they're losing it is in central defence. So that's a real area they still need to improve. Yeah, a centre-back and a right-winger. I I was just... Yeah, I was just going to say that a right winger myself is the uh, feels like the missing piece for me. I mean, uh, you know, midfield suddenly is a really strong area for us, and and that you know maybe a physical sort of option depends what Igala what happens with Igala. I mean, it's great that we've got that option. You know, well we've got until January and the options keep him long. We probably will end up with the options keep him longer if if we require. But yeah, yeah, the right wing, I agree. But Greenwood is. Every time he's get, given an opportunity, he's, he's certainly taken it. So you've got to really give some credit to Solskjaer and the uh, Man United coaching team. They are, they're turning some players who were maybe not that great into some real players. And I'm thinking central midfield specifically. Look at Fred and look at McTominay. You wouldn't have thought a year or two ago that that was going to be the central of Man United's midfield and capable of actually competing. But they are. And I think at the moment, they're as good as any other central midfield in the league. Well, as, as it sounds. I remember the worry when Herrera left last, uh, you know, went to PSG on a free transfer and then Solskjaer said at the time that uh, he said he's got two players at the club in Fred and McTominay um, who, he, you know, who could play the same amount of games that Herrera played last time, you know, last season. 
and and yeah, they've they've stepped up magnificently well. Um, but it, it was such a big night for United. I, I feel that that night where Everton beat Leicester and West Ham beat Chelsea was such a big night. You know, obviously with us beating uh, us beating Brighton the night before. That that was huge in the Champions League race, and um, it, it's all going to come down to the last day of the season, I think, with um, with Wolves playing Chelsea, and it's uh, Man United Leicester. Yeah, with the fixtures as well, I think Man United will be in the uh, in the prime position when it comes to that. I think they'll be the team now, just ahead of the other two at that point. I think they will be in third at that at that point in time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and are you, are you brave enough to make a prediction on top four? Uh, well, United from sounds of things. Okay, so my top four is obviously going to be Liverpool City, and this is where it gets a little bold. Is I'm going with United and I'm going with Wolves. I think Chelsea are going to drop out. They've got tough. They've got tougher fixtures, not unwinnable fixtures, tougher fixtures. But Man United and Wolves, they look good. They've both got really good fixtures for this. Really, really good fixtures for it. I, I, Wolves, you look at their attack and how well they defend. They're, they are, as it stands, I think, a better team than Chelsea. They play better. They defend better, they attack better. They've got better players for, to be able to do different things. They're better at set pieces, better free kicks. I, yeah, I, I can just see them picking up too many results. And it, at the end of the day, it's two points worth of difference. As much as that seems a bit mad to be able to say that, it's two points worth of difference. One win turns that around. And then, as you said, final day of the season, they might be already in a better position. Chelsea having to go out and win. They can sit back and defend, and they can do that damn well. So, yeah, I'm going with Man United and Wolves. I think it'll be United and Chelsea, myself, Leicester and uh, Wolves. But it's, I think Leicester's the one who are clearly, for me, even though the third are clearly not going to make the top four, if we are going to say it is a top four. And I think, yeah, I think it'll be United, Chelsea, myself. Um, I'm agreeing with Shane. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's going to be United, Wolves. I think uh, Chelsea may buckle a bit with, uh, I think, they may be thinking more about the champ, the Champions League itself mm-hmm. coming up here in August, and uh, obviously they've got the FA Cup semi-final against United as as well. I think um, I, I, Wolves just look so strong at the moment, mm. and, and nobody's sort of pain. I think the good thing for Wolves as well is that everyone's like uh, putting praise on United uh, and how they've come back at the moment and the run that they're on and Wolves have just stayed completely under the radar but mm. have been matching United for for results uh, mm. and I think that's really worked in their favour that they can just sort of just stay stealth and uh, let everybody else talk about other teams while they just get on with the job Yeah, mm. and I'm not sure who out of Leicester and Chelsea will get fifth but with the whole Man City thing Obviously, that's supposed to be coming in. The ruling's supposed to be from um, Court of Arbitration of Sport this month. That's going to be massive. That's going to be that's going to change the Premier League for the next couple of years. What happens with that? I genuinely do believe that. Because if, if City get away with it, if they get told right, you can do that. All of the money owners who've come into the league in the last few years from you know China and uh, what's it, Mashiri at Everton, they're suddenly going to feel like they can pretty much do whatever they want because it's never actually going to get in any way punished. On the other hand, if Man City get punished. That club's going to change overnight. Well, the, um, the fair play rule's been postponed for the time being anyway, hasn't it? Mm. So, oh, it's, it's going to be... That's going to be major. Obviously, I think, I think the, yeah, the, the ruling's supposed to be coming in this month. I do think there's one more place they can appeal. 
I think it's the European court. Um, but <sighs> it's a hell of an interesting month. <laughs> it is. It'd just be nice if we can get that finality before the end of the season. We wouldn't want a situation where, you know, a team finishes fifth and we're, we're wondering for ages who's actually playing in the Champions League. We'll yeah, they need to know at least before whatever whatever kind of pre-season is going to be starting next year. Need to know at least before that because there's probably not going to be playoffs for Euro- for European spots in the same sort of way that there has been in previous years. So it will have to be decided before then. Thank God. Yeah. Any any other uh, predictions for Premier League this season? Uh, I think we are not going to win a single other game. <laughs> that's that's not because I think we're bad or anything or we're doing anything wrong. That's just our fixtures aren't exactly easy, but <laughs> I think we're done. <laughs> I think we've just finished now for the year. Nice. So, yeah, I should think some draws. Danny Ings for top scorer. That is actually quite a decent call. Like I said, I don't think we're going to lose every game. I think we're just going to pick up a whole bunch of draws. Danny Ings is ridiculous since he's been back. What a player. He's finishing like Aguero. I'm not even kidding. If you're not watching him in the games, if you're not seeing these goals, they're so instant. They're such snap goals. You know, pick it up, right foot, bottom corner every time. It's amazing to watch. We haven't, I, don't, I don't ever remember seeing a strike like this for Southampton. It's quality. You know what, we look at, you look at the table though, and of them, City and Liverpool, Southampton are probably the only team at this point who don't have anything to play for. Like, you know, haven't got a chance of, realistic chance of Europe or relegation or anything. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I mean. We're just done. We're, we're done with the season now. My big worry is that a team like Leicester might come in and try and nick Danny Ings next season. Because, I mean, he's going to improve. Apart from the very best teams like Liverpool and City, he'd pretty much improve just about any team's attacking options. And we're in deep financial shit. <laughs> so pretty sure we'll be accepting bids. Do you think Danny Ings is the sort of player, obviously he didn't make it, Liverpool though, who needs to play week in, week out and doesn't suit the sort of stop-start nature? He does need uh, to play week in, week out. That's, that, that is absolutely what he needs. He needs to be not getting injured, essentially have the, the attack built around him. You know, we play Shane Long alongside him or Abafemi because they support him so well. He isn't going to be able to do it if he's not the main man. But you look at it, let's say Arsenal, for instance, lose Aubameyang. Who's the mm. next best striker they can actually go out and get? A Ford and go out and get? Probably is Danny Ings. And they'd want him. He's quality. He'd be better than whatever else they've got at the moment. Tottenham, mm. if they lost Harry Kane, go and get Danny Ings. Again, it's a proven goal scorer. And he'd be playing for them. And we are in the financial shitter, so we would be accepting bids. As much as they'll turn around and say, no, 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 we're not going to sell. Yeah, we will. <laughs> we absolutely will. Someone comes in and bids 50 million for him, because the market's about to dip a little bit. We should probably be able to get more. But someone comes in and bids 50 million for him, we're taking it. So I'm, I'm a bit terrified we're going to lose him next season. Strikers as well are so much confidence players. So things being at Liverpool and getting a... You know, a 20 minute burst every three games or something is, is never going to work for him. Being a week in, week out, the centre of attention for Southampton, he, he can flourish. Mm. The irony is, I think he would actually be a very good option for Liverpool instead of Firmino. I think he would actually really well fit that team, but yeah, I just don't think he'd actually displace him. Even if he was scoring more goals and all of that, like, I don't think he'd actually displace him. It's a bit like Shakiri. He he worked really well as Stoke as being the big fish in the small pond, but at Liverpool he's not really done enough to you know even justify getting substitute appearances or done anything. But 
I think some players are like that. Some, you know, do better playing week in, week out, being loved, being the main man, and some are better as the squad players. And can, whether it's a mental, physical thing, I'm not sure, but um, it definitely is a different, different ball game. Oh yeah, Shakiri would be an absolute perfect player for the likes of an Arsenal or an Everton at the moment. Be great for one of them, where he can actually play regularly, have a big impact, be able to do his thing. But obviously, at the big clubs, you don't always necessarily get the get the starts you need because you've got to be doing it every single week in training. Danny Ings is a great, great player. I yeah, as I said, I'm I'm pretty worried we're probably going to lose him. I think we're going to lose a few players this summer and not necessarily replace him in any meaningful way. As as I mentioned about Arsenal and Tottenham, sort of, they're in for some hard years. I think we're in for some damn hard years. As much as we're staying safe this year, and it's a pretty big deal. I know what the club's finances look like because obviously being a Sampton fan, I look into that kind of thing. We are fucked. <laughs> we are roundly fucked unless we start doing some stuff. I can see him going to a club like sort of a Newcastle with them in the summer probably going to have a fair bit of money to spend. Yeah, another that'd be another great place for him. Yeah, he, he's got a hell of a lot of places he'd go. Even abroad, look at half the clubs in Germany, his play style. They'd love him. They'd have him. <laughs> Newcastle can't really do much worse than the, the strikers that they've got at the moment. <laughs> no, they can't. <laughs> what an assortment of crap they've got up from. New, I know a Newcastle fan. I'm really good friends with a Newcastle fan, and he can never actually explain how they win games. <laughs> like, how they actually do well. They just do. <laughs> well, at the moment, it's basically give the ball to uh, Anthony's man. He's, uh, he's honestly, he's become my favourite player in the league, St. Maximin. He's just, he's, he's, he's amazing to watch. Just, he just takes on anyone. He's, he reminds me of, well, you, you said it in the previous show or the other week. I can't remember when, but, uh, you mentioned Nanny as a comparison and it, it does. He's, he's just, I watch Newcastle because I want to see him play. He's, he's one of them players and, um, yeah. I've got to say though, Dwight Gale, what a shocking miss against uh, against Man City in the cup when they could have potentially <laughs> got to a semi final. That was horrific. That miss. <laughs> um, any predictions from you, Rich, for season? Anything a bit crazy? Maybe you're thinking might happen. Well, I'll come with Dan Yings for the top goal scorer. Um, I, I think that's. Some- I doubt it for me. I'm trying to think of. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say Everton are going to push up towards a Europa League place. Okay. I, I think Burnley will get Europa League myself. Um, I agree. The other, the other sort of crazy prediction I've, 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 uh, I've put a few quid on uh, Martial and Rashford to be top goal scorers this season. Well, either of them to be top Premier League scorer. Uh, they're five off the top. Uh, off Vardy, who's who's top, and uh, I think with their running, it's it's perfectly possible. So, yeah, that's a crazy. That, that's predict. the one thing I want to say about United. Actually, um, that since they've come back, the one player that has not looked good has been Rashford. Yeah, I agree. No, don't say that. I've just captained him for my fantasy team. Don't <laughs> say that. It, well, he, he may turn around, but he's just not looked. Um, just with it, he's like one or two yards off the pace, fluffed a lot of opportunities. Um, mm. I don't, don't know if the whole um, everything else that's gone on has sort of um, knocked him off kilter a little bit. 
Right, well, you lot are playing Bournemouth, so I'm, I'm sticking with that. If there's any game where any striker in any any league can score, it's against Bournemouth at the moment. I'm pretty sure Oldham would, would knock in about four at the moment. So sticking with Rashford as captain, not having that. <laughs> right, that's going to be a good call. I am not doing Salah v Villa. He's not going to fucking play it. I already know it. <laughs> All right, well, uh, well, obviously, as we said, every team's got something to play for, so we've got an exciting Premier League end of season to look forward to, which is which is great. I hope you enjoy the rest of the Premier League season as the games come thick and fast. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Uh, it's much appreciated. You can follow us on Facebook or Twitter. Just search for Goals Allowed Podcast. And it's goodbye from myself, Shane Lees and Richard Hudson. <laughs>